Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. This time it's going to be all MLB network television and radio personalities. Former general manager, longtime executive Dan O'Dowd is going to be with us. CJ Nikowski, our buddy from the Texas Rangers, he's also on MLB radio. He'll join us. And then Kevin Franzen, one of the great San Jose State players of all time, uh, had a nice career and now is doing radio for the Philadelphia Phillies. But let's start with Dan O'Dowd, former GM. Dan O'Dowd, former general manager. He spent 15 years in Baltimore and Cleveland and then was hired to be the GM for the Colorado Rockies and now on MLB Network. He does a great job on TV. Here's my interview with him earlier today. As I told him in San Diego, we'll tell him again, he's my favorite GM MLB network. Dan O'Dowd is with us here. And Dan, it is hard to believe that the last time we talked was down in San Diego. And what has happened in our lives, in our world, and in our sport, the change is just unreal. Chris, first of all, thanks for having me on. And I know that I'm the only GM at the network, so to speak. So I guess I'm, I'm glad I'm your favorite GM. Oh, um, yeah. you follow that great. That's what I love. Uh, it, yeah, it's incredible what's happened to us. It's just surreal. And uh, it shows you how unpredictable life is and how adaptable you have to be because it seems like every single day you're dealing with another set of issues that you really are truly unprepared for. And um, it's been sobering. This last, you know, ever since um, this, you know, the whole thing started, it's been very sobering in our entire country, and certainly it's affected the sports world dramatically. Yeah. What do you think it would be like? And it, it, we just don't have to talk baseball. It could be NBA, hockey. It could be NFL. And what do you think it's like to be someone who runs an organization as a general manager in a time like this? You know, it's 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 first of all, it would be hard for me to wrap my arms around it because I've really never experienced anything like this. But I would think in doing the job itself, it, you're probably every single day anticipating problems and problems that probably don't have solutions to them. So you're just trying to survive each day and accomplish what you feel like you can accomplish um, and only try to take things one day at a time, not looking certainly in the past, but not looking too far in the future and realizing that the way you've operated up to this point in time is totally different than the way you're going to operate now and potentially moving forward. When, when I think about what we're hearing and I think about a lot, some of the big market clubs, where they're talking Red Sox, Cubs, Phillies, it seems like there's quite a few of the big market teams that are, are not going to be all in. They don't want to spend money. 
And, you know, I start wondering, looking around, how many teams are really going to be 2021 saying, oh, yeah, we're all in to win the World Series? What are you hearing? Uh, probably pretty much the same thing you are. And I think what's hard is that by nature, every one of these owners and every GM and baseball operations personnel get into these jobs or own a team because they're competitive in some way, shape or form. And so that shows you the scope of the losses and, you know, the damage that's been done, not just, I mean, we talk about baseball organizations all the time. I mean, it's, it's every business across the country for the most part has been decimated through this pandemic um, and the loss of jobs and the uncertainty of the future. And these teams are no different than any other uh, vertical in the game in, in life. And uh, I think they're just trying to figure out, okay, how do we get through this to the backside of it? And when this clears, how do we be in a better, a better position than the one we're in now, or at least the same position one we're in now and as, and as competitive as you want to be to try to win, you know, in some cases you're just trying to survive. Yeah. And, and, the way the Oakland A's work, and I always throw the Tampa Tampa Bay Rays in there also because they're kind of like our twin in some ways. It's like, yeah, these are trying times, but the way that this offseason is going to go and probably, you know, you're going to have to fill some spots with one-year deals. I mean, this is kind of what Billy Bean and David Force have been doing for a long, long time. Yeah, I think for some clubs the adaption model might be difficult. I don't think for the A's it's going to be. I think they – they're, you know, I mean, they're really good at finding undervalued assets that fit into both how they want to play the game and the culture that they've created. And honestly, it might even play to their advantage if they have any payroll bandwidth at all to work with. And they may not because of the saturation of the market is such. I mean, it's just logical to think that at the end of this, there's going to be a lot of players still looking for work. You know, when I think about free agents right now, for some guys, you know, they're going to get their money. But for other guys, is it smart to try and go get what you can now? Or do you want to wait and potentially not sign till January? Heck, even February, maybe spring training. Well, you know, that's an interesting question. I'm by nature a little bit more conservative in how I live my life. Um, I think it's based upon how each individual person was raised and, you know, the family dynamic of what they came from and what they have. Um, I think for me, depending upon the player, um, I would be aggressive in some cases and other cases. We're going to know a lot more in February, might even be March, might even be April about what next season may look like as our country goes through a vaccination process. And so much of it's simply tied to our fans going to be allowed to be back in ballparks again and how many games are we going to play and what roster construction is going to look like. And so all those things factor into it. Some players are going to have to wait, Chris, because simply they're not going to have any choice, but they're going to have to wait. And my concern within the industry, like it's been in the last couple of years, is that the upper class will still get its money, but the middle class, um, you know, is going to get squeezed again. And those players, there's so many good players that reside in that area. I call them contributors, and they're really good major league players. They may not be impact players, but they're winning major league players. And the concern I have for that class would be the same concern I've had in the last couple of years. And isn't that the class that Tony Clark is trying to protect, especially coming around here with a new CBA that's going to be negotiated? Well, I would think Tony's got a tough job like 
you know, Commissioner Manford does and, you know, because you're negotiating in such uncertain times. Um, I think he's probably trying to protect all of his constituents as much as he possibly can. And that's a really difficult task to do because, again, we are, from the minute this took place, we're in uncharted territories that we've never been as an industry. And that's for all of sports, not just baseball. Could be could, could it be a situation where um, it could be a gamble, but just to say, you know what, I'm going to take a one-year deal as a player. Now, if it was me, I would take a one-year deal with a team that I think can win, uh, kind of championship chase. But you take the one-year deal and hope, as you said, vaccines, new CBA, reset fans in the stands. So I take that one-year deal, make that gamble, and think I can get something better next year. Again, I, I'm not a Chris. I'm not a guy that tries to paint the building with one brush. I think it comes down to each individual case. Uh, I think that's a great strategy, and I've been espousing that here at the network from day one. Is that um, I mean I, I I would take a cautious approach, and I would uh, like I say this all the time. I mean, you can deny the reality of the situation you're in. You just can't deny the consequences of denying the reality, and so. Um, I wouldn't be a pessimist. I wouldn't be an optimist. I'd be a realist about the situation, what's going on right now. And I would have decisions that are reflective thereof. In that case, it may be that taking a one-year option certainly is the most realistic view of your current situation. One thing that I've thought about for you being an ex-GM is let's say you got to trade Francisco Lindor. And you're trying to go look for a package that you can take. And there's going to be some of the players that are part of a package. They didn't play minor league baseball last season. And you don't know when you're going to see them again. And you're going to have to go off old scouting reports. What do you think that's going to be like for a GM to try and pull it, pull the trigger on a deal? I don't know, Lindor, Arnado, whoever. And you want this big crop of minor league players. And you don't know what these guys have been doing for the last year plus. Well, it's challenging. I, I think you're going to lend yourself to the players that have played for a longer period of time, unless it's someone that's just come out of the draft and you have all your free agent scouting reports on him, that you're going to probably go to a database that's reflective of, you know, multi-year reports and players that are probably a little bit closer to the big leagues rather than, you know, some of those uh, lottery gambles of high upside guys that are down further in your system that you probably don't have a wealth of information on. Yeah, that's got to be tough. And especially when you're trying to trade somebody, um, you know, of, of the kind of stature of the players. I mean, it's been a while since you've uh, Colorado, but, you know, knowing what you know about Nolan Arenado, I know a lot of teams would love him. He makes a lot of money, but it just seems like there's been a rift there. What do you think happens with the uh, Rockies third baseman that we thought was going to be the face of the franchise? Um, I don't think he ends up anywhere. I mean, especially this off season. Um, I don't see a lot of clubs taking on large contractual commitments with such uncertainty moving forward in the future. And I can't imagine the Rockies wanting to eat um, or swallow a ton of what's left on his guaranteed deal because he's such a great player. And so, you know, as I think that was Chris for me, that's going to be a hard deal to line up unless they can find pieces that offset his commitment that make, you know, them 
just as competitive they are uh, as without them. And again, that so many things are going to have to fall into place for that to happen. I'd say it's highly unlikely. Let's end on this. You know, ever since MLB Network came around, you know, so different back in the day where you just have like baseball tonight on ESPN, which was just a, a half hour or hour show. Just what has that been like for your career? Because you look like you're having a great time. It looks like you're all having a great time, whether you're dealing with broadcasters, ex-players. Just what has that been like for you being a part of this network? Oh, it's been a tremendous blessing for me, Chris. I, I wouldn't even know how words could explain it. One, it's great. I, I work around so many good people up here. I couldn't – I haven't met a bad person. They're all tremendous, and they treated me exceptionally well. And I love the fact that my view of the game is based upon my own life experience and what I've done in my career. And everybody I've met, their view of the game is very different than my view of the game. And I've learned a lot. That's the one thing about the game of baseball. If you're humble enough to realize how challenging a game it is, you realize you're always learning at the game. And I've learned a lot since I've been at the network. And I've also enjoyed being able to see the game from a completely different point of view when wins and losses don't determine um, kind of where I'm at uh, emotionally in my life. And so I see the game a little clearer than I did even when I was running a team. Yeah, I, I can just imagine when you can just sit back and watch it. Correct. And you're not, you know, you're not caught up in every single pitch and every single play and every single decision. One, the game's more enjoyable. Two, you see the game clearer, too. And, uh, you know, I mean, I wish I had done this halfway through my career and then done the job again because I think I'd have a totally different approach to how I looked at the job from the way I did look at it when I was doing it. Dan, I'm a big fan. Uh, appreciate the time. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Have a good Thanks, New Chris. Year. You and, too, buddy. Uh, we'll talk to you in 2021. You're right. Thanks so much, Chris. And again, thanks for having me on and Merry Christmas to you and all your family. Dan's good. He is always solid. Always solid too. our buddy CJ Nikowski. We always love checking in with him during the baseball season and even in the offseason. CJ's with us uh, here on A's Cast Live. How are you? Chris, what's up, man? How are you? Uh, doing well. By the way, I got to tell you, it was probably a couple months ago. I was driving around listening to you on Sirius XM, and you were talking about coaching your kids and the problems with the parents. You had my children rolling. They were laughing. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could help them laugh a little bit. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's not. I mean, we're all, uh, I think we have a tendency to get a little overambitious as parents and perhaps um, ask uh, too much of our children or their coaches at times. Well, they're umpires and referees. They can get a little bit wild, but uh, you got to have a little fun and poke some fun at yourself once in a while. You know, I love what you guys do with SiriusXM, and and we have Jim Duquette on and Mike Farron and everybody, and and just you know, I I I re up my subscription. It's just you know, for a baseball fan, from they've got all the different old GMs, players. I mean, what you guys do with that channel, it really is second to none. I appreciate you saying that. I, I feel grateful that MLB Network Radio exists. Uh, I, I really enjoy doing it. I tell you, I feel like I get a lot out of it as well, and it helps me with what I'm doing with the Rangers and the broadcast and you know, working with Steve Phillips a couple of days a week. I feel like I'm always learning something from him. It's nice having someone that's sat in the GM chair and has been around for a long time but is still up to date on as far as what's going on with the game today and the trends of the game. Um, so from that standpoint, I feel like I'm, I'm a listener at times. And then I have a ton of fun on the weekends with Ryan Spielborg when we do our loud out show 
uh, 10 to 1 Eastern. Uh, you know, a couple of players that uh, we can goof around a little bit. We might not be, um, have, you know, have the perfect, uh, you know, it might not sound as professional on the radio side where we're, we're crossing our T's and dotting our I's, but we have, we have a ton of fun and throw some things back and forth to each other. But So I appreciate you saying that, but I'm grateful that it exists and, and grateful to be working there. Uh, yeah, you guys do a great job. And, you know, today we started the show out as we found this article on ESPN.com. It's like I was reading something from the early 90s when talking about what GMs are looking for here in the offseason. It's guys that put the ball in play. It's guys <laughs> that don't strike out. It's speed and defense. I went, wait a minute, is this is this 2020 or is this 1993? But it's kind of like, I don't know, you tell me, it's like the, the guys who run our game have started to realize that the three true outcomes, you got to do more than that. I think so. I mean, I don't know if we'll see a complete reversal in, in the trends that we've seen in the game, uh, but perhaps to some degree. I will tell you that specifically with the Rangers, and I think you could say the same thing about the Oakland A's. One thing I always say about the A's, is it seems like their team is built around their pitching staff or vice versa based on you know what kind of team you have. And in the sense of their starting rotation, as an example, there's a lot of contact that is led up by the A's, but it's not a bad necessarily version of contact. It's a lot of weak contact. Well, if you're going to have contact pitchers, you got to make sure you have good defense behind you. The Oakland A's absolutely have that. And I feel like they've, they've built their team accordingly, right? There's not just one way to do it. I was even telling my son this the other day, trying to use a, a basketball comparison for him playing middle school basketball and one of their big men went down and you wonder okay does that mean we automatically slide the next big man in I said well not if one of your shooting guards is a better player and you bring more to the table you got to go with what you have or at least what your core is and so I think that's the case for a lot of teams and maybe they're starting to see that a little bit there's not too many teams I think that love the idea of just slugging swinging and missing and walking but sometimes you're stuck that way or sometimes you end up with too many players that way and so you just kind of have to roll with it a little bit. But the Rangers example for me is that in a new ballpark, the Globe Life Field, it's a bigger ballpark. That means that you're going to have to have guys that can go go get it in the outfield. You can't have a slugger that, that's not very mobile out there. That's going to cost you more runs at the end of the day. And you have a good infield because the infield is pretty quick with the artificial surface that they have. And so I think understanding your ballpark as well and building your team accordingly uh, in those two examples do kind of bring us back a little bit to some things that may have been forgotten uh, the importance of defense, the importance of putting the ball in play, uh, I think is, and it's better for the game. I think I tell you as a fan, I love that idea of seeing a little bit more action as well. You know, I can't wait to get back to Texas because the ballpark looks incredible. And I know the last time we talked, uh, I actually got Ray Fossey to go over to Texas Live and we had the barbecue there. I think it's Humphreys or something. It was phenomenal. Texas Live. Lockhart. Yeah. The Lockhart yeah. Oh, barbecue yeah, that's, that's in there. Yeah. Right in Texas Live. Yep. Incredible! Like I can't wait. Like, how great is that new? But it looks it looks phenomenal. Yeah, they did a great job with it. I, I look forward to more fans getting the opportunity to see it. Uh, obviously, fans got to look at it on television during the postseason a little bit more. At least with what I guess twenty five percent fans are allowing about eleven thousand in. It holds forty thousand. They did a great job with it. It's going to be even better when it's packed. Uh, but it's really neat. Uh, it, you know, like anything, uh, the ballparks keep getting better and better. Uh, but then there's always something unique about each one, and there's definitely a handful of really unique things in Globe Life Field. But it, it's just absolutely gorgeous. The amenities are amazing. They got creative with some of the seating and the different things that different options that you have there. And then the attachment of Texas Live, which is also a big trend in the game and what we're seeing. Right, we're seeing uh, the battery in Atlanta and Ballpark Village 
uh, in St. Louis, and that's actually being expanded on right now. And by the same, these are all by the same company, the Cordis Group, and they understand the entertainment value, right? I mean, we are we don't have the greatest attention spans, and so we want more things to do sometimes when we go to the game, or we just want to get near the ballpark. And maybe you're not going to the game, but you want to watch it with other fans in really cool spots. I remember as a kid growing up uh, in the New York, New Jersey area, sometimes going down to Giant Stadium and not even having tickets to the game, but just going out and hanging out in the parking lot you know, and drinking and having a great time. Like, that's a blast. And maybe you're not actually going into the game. Well, now teams have figured out a way to capture that audience a little bit and give them a really good spot to do that. Yeah, Texas Live, uh, uh, very, very impressed. And, you know, if you're going to a Cowboy game or a Rangers game, definitely uh, it's a must. And we have fans that travel for A's fans. If you're ever going to be in Arlington, it's a great spot to go to. I I want you to put your uh, former player hat on right now and looking at where we are for free agency. Are you the type of guy that says, you know what, I'd rather just sign a one-year, get some good money, sign a one-year deal, and wait for COVID to end? Or do you want to try and get as much as you can now? How would you handle free agency? Yeah, it all depends on where you are at this point in your career, right? You think about somebody who just left the A's, I think is a good example, is Mike Miner. Like Mike Miner probably needed a bounce-back year to, to get that value where it was not that long ago. It was just a couple of years ago when he was with the Texas Rangers. He was coming off a great uh, 2018 and a 2019, um, but it went in a little bit of a different direction last year, and the A's fans saw that a little bit. The velocity had come down, so he looked like he was the ideal guy that would need a one-year bounce back, but instead he goes for the two-year deal uh, with Mike Miner, excuse me, with the Kansas City Royals, right, which I find kind of interesting that he signed that two-year deal. So perhaps in his case, uh, it's about, you know, let me get as many years as I possibly can, get some guaranteed dollars here that will stretch out over time, uh, and then we'll go from there. And so I think it all depends on the player and the situation uh, that you're in. I'm sure there are some guys that will, will take those multi-year deals at lower AAVs because maybe they're not as confident. Maybe they just feel like, you know what, I, I'll take the years when I can get them. And then you get the guys that are just built differently, that are really comfortable uh, going year to year if they have to. I always use uh, Max Scherzer and David Price example over the years. They never signed that team-friendly deal, even though a pretty big one was out there for them if they wanted it, and they ultimately get the, that payday. I think there's a lot of guys that, that can work under that and be comfortable uh, doing it that way. And so for those that are built that uh, with that personality, they probably go in, try to get the best one-year deal in the best spot that they can go to and go ahead and hit the free agent market. But it also depends on your position too, right? If you're a shortstop right now, Hugo Gorias, I think is probably a good example uh, he doesn't, and, and Marcus Simeon, obviously, with the A's dealing with that as well. You probably would like to get a multi-year deal done if you can, because next year's shortstop free agent market is ridiculous for all the huge names. So there's a lot of different factors that go into, I think, how you treat this as a free agent right now. You know, one thing we've brought up on this show and look in from your guys' perspective, the Texas Rangers, I look at a guy that would just be perfect for you guys. And I mean, obviously it's a, it's a big ticket, but you got that new stadium. Nolan Arenado. I I, I just don't see that relationship working out with him and the Rockies. You you want that centerpiece like you had with Beltre. Have you heard anything about that, a potential? Cause I know the Rangers are open for business. Yeah, it came up last year. I think the situation that they're in this year might be a little bit different. They're about a year away before they really want to add. Now, Nolan Arenado is kind of a once-in-generation type of talent over at third base, and so if you can get him now, even though you're a year away, you do that. The issue you have with his contract, of course, is that he can opt out after 2021. So you would have to have assurances that that's not going to happen, which may cost you a little bit more money. The Major League Baseball Players Association, the union, 
is probably not going to allow him just to give that up without getting something else in return. Uh, and so anybody that wants to trade for Nolan Arenado, whether it be the Rangers, the Dodgers, uh, the New York Mets, the Atlanta Braves, all teams that probably would be in the conversation, they need to know that if they're going to give up what it takes to get Nolan Arenado right now, uh, that he's going to have to give up that opt-out. So that, that makes it a little trickier. And I would say just in particular to the Rangers situation, I agree with you. With Isaiah kind of did a fantastic job. He can play any infield position and play it well. Uh, they would find a spot for him to use those really good hands that he has. And a good bat that came along, but I mean, obviously, it was a, it was a gold glove type of season for Connor Falefa. Uh, but Nolan Arenado, again, is, is really special. So, yes, it would be a fit. The question becomes also for the Rangers, based on the fact that they've basically said this is not the year for spending, but that year is not too far away. Do they want to give up any of their young talent right now? Because I think 2021 is probably going to be a year for them where they continue to work through some of that young talent, see what they really have, see what they can really count on, and then they start to make the moves and fill in the needs. So I don't know if they could get the return um, that the Colorado Rockies would also want, even if they could get through that opt-out that Arenado has. Do they have the talent that they want to give up right now and, and what it would take to get Arenado? I would say probably not, but I'll never say never. I mean, think about your career coming up to the minor leagues. If we don't have a vaccine, if we mm. don't have a treatment, we may not have minor league baseball for the second straight year. What do you think that does? I mean, you can speak to it as a player, but what do you think that does to our industry if we basically don't have, I mean, minor league baseball, college baseball, high school baseball for two straight years? Yeah, it's a huge setback and one that you almost wonder is how can the game ever completely recover from that? And then I think what probably bothers me more is the guys that are really hurt by this, right? So much changes year to year. It's one of those cool things about our sport throughout player development is that there may be a guy who's not even on a prospect list and the next year is in the big leagues, right? Like we love that kind of stuff. And that's the kind of development that's possible in our game. A lot of those great stories that would have been end up getting lost. I mean, they just, they're not there because they're not playing. So I, it would be a disaster from a player development standpoint they'll come up with something to have some version of the minor leagues. I mean, there's already so much going on with the changing of minor league baseball as it is. And, and what we've always known it to be is it's going to get smaller. It's going to contract. Major league baseball has taken over and there's a lot going on. Uh, the Fresno uh, club is an example, right? They were no longer going to be a triple A team and they had to decide by today if they were going to accept being an A ball team. Otherwise they were not going to be an affiliated baseball. That's the kind of contraction that's going on around the game right now. So then you put the COVID part of this into it and not having potentially at least fans in the stands, I think they would find a way to still have a season somehow, some way, uh, but not having fans in the stands is also really detrimental to these organizations who uh, do a great job and there's so many great minor league cities, but they rely on the fans, right? They don't have the TV contracts that, that the big league teams have to at least have some form or at least a decent percentage of your revenues. That doesn't exist at the minor league level. They are based on games being played and fans being there. Uh, to make those businesses work. So that would be a real blow to that industry uh, if we didn't have fans this year. And, CJ, think about where we live in Santa Clara County. I mean, for everybody out there, San Jose, you know it as Silicon Valley. Uh, contact Sports, the 49ers have to now go play in Arizona. My alma mater, San Jose State, they've got to find – They, we, we've got sports that have to leave town just to compete. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. It's been so, it's just been so rough. Uh, and I understand, like, you have to respect what your whatever it is your local government decides they want to do. So be it. Uh, hopefully some of this gets cleaned up because you would hate to see this next year in baseball. And certainly it's a possibility where there may be certain 
cities and states that don't allow professional sports to get played with other ones will. And what you're talking about right now on the football side is something that we could see in baseball. What if the Giants and the Dodgers and the Padres and the A's and everybody in California aren't allowed to play uh, in that state, just using them as an example? That's five big league teams that have to find someplace else to go because if, I don't know, 80% of the league is able to play, you got to figure out a way uh, to play. Same thing with fans. At one point, people were saying, well, if you know, just because – one state can have fans. The other ones probably should, right? If you can't have fans at Yankee Stadium, why should they allow them to have them in Texas? And, and Rob Manfred has already kind of addressed that. At one point, I don't think they would have done it. But now it's, it's listen, if you can have fans and you can have fans and if the other team can't, they can't. You want to figure out how you distribute those revenues evenly, then so be it. Maybe that's something they have to work on. But I was glad to hear him at least allude to the fact that uh, if a local city is allowing you to have fans and they can have fans, and just because another city can't doesn't mean that nobody's going to have them. You know, I remember you told me when we had you on the program on the field by the dugout that we all know our team better than the other teams. You know your team. You're around them every single day. And I look, you know, where we are right now, a lot of things will be decided as we go on here in the offseason. But right now, am I, to, you know, the A's won the division. To me, they're still the strongest roster. I think Houston's changing. Angels don't have pitching. You guys are still in rebuild mode, seeing what's going on in Seattle. Am I crazy, or would you still say the A's are still the front runner in the West? I think it, with where the postseason stands, or excuse me, the offseason stands right now, I would say yes. We'll see what happens. I don't think Seattle's making any big moves. I don't think the Rangers are making any big moves. I think the Astros will try to make some moves. They'll try to spend some money, bring some guys in very curious to watch how their free agency goes like how many players want to go there unless you're paying absolute top dollar or more and can you afford to do that and they know once fans get back in the stands that their players are going to hear about it they don't care if you're new to the team or not like you know think about that as a free agent like michael brantley had nothing to do with the cheating scandal he was hearing it in spring training and if there were fans there he would have heard it you know during the season this year even though that would have been completely unjustified fans don't care they're not going to dig through and say oh yeah that guy wasn't on the team in 2017 don't boo him no they're going to let everybody have it and so i've always wondered what that would do to their free agency uh going forward and what is the desire to play in houston I mean, it's a great ballpark great city all that kind of stuff but the other things that come along with that at least in the in the near term may not be as uh desirable perhaps the angels they'll try to make their moves they have a new general manager we know pitching has always been an issue uh, so maybe they could challenge as well. But I would say as it stands right now, it's pretty close to how it finished uh, with the A's likely being the favorite and either the Astros or the Angels at number two. You know, we just had Ben Wright on the program before you came on. He's the author of Astro Ball, and he's been doing the podcast. And he was the first guy to interview uh, Jeffrey Lunau uh, in his, his first public appearance. And I got to tell you, it is the Astro, you know, Richard Justice told us that at the end of spring training, those guys were done. Like, they were mentally yeah. done, and that COVID really saved them. Like, can you really – like, I know how our fans feel. I know how Angel fans feel. I'm sure you guys are the same. Like, the minute fans are back in the stands, it is game on with the Astros, and I don't think they're going to be able to handle it well. Uh, no, probably not. And if anything, it prolongs it. So even though COVID may have felt like it saved them in the short term, what it does, it just makes the thing drag out even longer. Now there'll be less players there, right? George Springer likely not going to be with the Houston Astros next year. So less and less players that were really involved in this thing will not be on that roster. But again, I don't think fans care. And so while it might have seemed like a nice reprieve in the short term, 
I would say it affected them most of the year anyway. I mean, they just didn't look like the same team. And I know they had some major injuries, and that probably contributed as well with no Justin Verlander. But they were really flat. They, they looked flat most of the year. And then come postseason time, I mean, they really stumbled in. And then they started playing. I don't seem like they had kind of gotten their mojo back a little bit. Uh, but they will be hearing it again. So what happens in 2021 is going to be fascinating with them. Uh, first of all, are fans going to be there? And then how will it affect their team? Since they went through it once already, at least in spring training, was that enough to prepare them for this year? Like, can they sit there and can Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve put all that behind them and they have, they have at least a little bit of an idea of what it's going to be like? Is it every city the way that we had thought? Uh, I wonder if this is something that they're, I don't want to say that they're used to, but perhaps the experience helped. But at the same time, there's no doubt in my mind, the COVID situation drags us out even further. Hey, we always appreciate the time. Much respect. Thank you so much for coming on. And, of course, we'll be listening to you on Sirius XM. Keep up the great work and uh, be safe, and we'll talk soon. Appreciate it, Chris. Always good to talk to you, brother. From the lefty to the infielder, Kevin Franzen. Proud of him. He's he's really established himself now, his post-career, by doing uh, play-by-play for the Philadelphia Phillies. Here is Franny. Kevin Franzen will join us next. Well, I got to tell you, I think this offseason is going to be fascinating from a standpoint of it's like a buffet if you're a front office guy. Oh, today's, got, Far, today's Farhan Day. You've got, I, you've got so many good players out there. Yeah. You've got a lot of guys who are going to sign probably one-year deals. So I want to ask you, you know, the star players were all, will always get theirs. But yeah. what do you think it would be like someone in your career right now, if you were a free agent, what do you think that's going to be like? They're going to wait it out as long as they can and not the player. The team is. And if they give any bit of, well, maybe we, you'll jump on it. Like you talk about any any guy that gets that feeling that a team wants them and they give him an offer. You're taking it. You're not waiting for the best offer. I feel like I I just, I just not today's not in today, not in 2020, you know, and, and, and you could say that in recent years. Right. I mean, there 59 guys got non-tendered yesterday, which is way down than what we thought. Right. We thought it was going to be close upwards of uh, uh, closer to 100. Um, but like I, I said, it I coined it on MLB Network Radio. I thought uh, December 3rd was going to be Farhan Day. Right. It's the official Farhan Day because everyone got non-tendered and he finds more diamonds in the rough, no matter what organization he has been in and been involved with. Uh, and, and with the Giants, they're going to take some chances. And I was like, damned. Like, look at the guys that are out there. Like, wh- which one do you want to start with? With Archie Bradley, David Dahl at 27 years old? He's a free agent now? Are you kidding me? There was a top prospect in the in the Rockies organization. Yeah, he's had some injury problems. But come on. Like, this is incredible right now. I, it, what, what, what fascinates me is... The, the lack of traction the MLB and MLBPA have had on the DH. Is there a DH? Is there not a DH? It's holding up, in my mind, others think not really. In my mind, I think it's holding up a lot. That guys want to, because there are guys that want to sign, right? So when you go back to your original question, what would you have done? Uh, if someone offered me this, I'm taking it. And if, you know, if you're one of those star players, I'm holding out. Now, if I'm one of those star players, I'm holding out also for, oh, is there going to be a DH in there? There's a DH now. Huh. Can we get an extra year? 
You know what I mean? Like there, there are certain guys that have the ability to do that. You know, I, I, I mention this all the time. Like our, our entire lives, we've had the DH, right? We, mm-hmm. we had it in high school. We had yep. it in college. You had it in the minor leagues. Uh, the only people that don't have it is the National League. So you now broadcasting in a National League town, how, how did Philly fans feel about the DH? Uh, I mean, everyone's always going to revert back to like, oh, well, I, I, I like it old school, old school. Well, when your pitchers don't practice bunny anymore, when actually no one practices bunny anymore, what does it matter? You know, and, and I've always been the National League. I, the reason why I like the DH and the pitcher hitting is American League National League. I love the two distinct leagues. That's it. That's really why, like, behind my whole thing. Is it strategy? Eh, a little bit of it. I mean, how many times are, are we going to see, you know, guys outplaying the other one, you know, as far as, like, just being able to outmanage them? Well, we're seeing it just in general without the D, with the DH. So, um, I, I, I just, I think the Philly fan really, really, really enjoyed having the pitcher, but if it means getting someone right and bringing a ne- another bat into the lineup, they're for it. But at, at the same time, uh, what Theo Epstein had said, right. I think resonated more with more Phillies fans about like the game has got to go a different way. We got to get more action involved in, in all this stuff well part of that is having a dh that comes in and actually can hit right and not just be like the three true outcome it can't happen so it, it, i i think the phillies fan is very into the dh if they have the guy if they have that right player to be the dh other than that i don't know <laughs> well i you know i mean we 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 go over the numbers and pitchers can't hit and it's just an easy out and mm-hmm. you know as, as american league people we look at it and we go are you guys just stupid why do you want an easy out and why do you want all these double switches and mess smart. With your roster? and it's like i just i i, I why would you not want to well, have some big the, dude the, up there hitting bombs an, another reason to have the dh for me is Look, utility guys, bench players, I have a little thing for for being one for a long time. Uh, You're basically obsolete. You might now you look at it, you might in a game have one pinch hitter. Right. And and when I played in 2010 with the Angels and being in that in the American League, the only time in my career. If I didn't start, that sucked. (laughs) Like because you knew you were not playing. Brandon Wood was going to go 0 for 4 with three punches again. You know what I mean? Like, and you weren't going to play. But that was how it was going to be. Uh, and so I like, and, and and tell me if I'm off on this, but I feel like the National League player with the pitcher hitting is more engaged in a game. And that is only my opinion because I have one season in the American League and don't think I know it all on that. I just take it from the National League side, and I feel like there's a lot more guys engaged in the game when the pitcher is hitting because there's a chance they can get in. I, I think you could say that, but I but but I think what's changed is kind of the um, Billy Bean, Moneyball mm-hmm. taking advantages. So, like if you watch an A's game, Bob Melvin's using his entire roster. So I think now with everything right, left, you know, you're looking at the the numbers, you see a lot of change. Going back to your Anaheim days, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it's like 
why why can't they what they can't figure it oh, out right man it's a lot of money and they can't yeah. figure it out but, i mean if you're a player and Artie moreno's got that big checkbook why would you like if you're trevor bauer why would you not want to be an angel oh, i don't i honestly i everyone's excuse california taxes it's like okay great you're gonna get your money like <laughs> at what point is like you know what i mean like you're just gonna get paid so what what made sense obviously was given the extension of Mike Trout. We all know that greatest yeah. player that we've seen in in our time. Like I, it, it's a fact. Uh, the problem and look, you and I have talked about this plenty. Like I'm a huge Anthony Rendon fan. When they missed out on Strasburg, when they missed out on Garrett Cole, and they, I feel like they panicked. That's been kind of like their mo, right? When when Artie has been signing, because those are his deals. Right there, that's not Billy Epler in in that one with with Rendon. That that's that's more Artie. Uh, it, it's the same thing with Josh Hamilton and and Albert Pools. What do they need in all those years? What did they need? They needed pitching, you know. And they're signing these guys, and it's like, why? The Josh Hamilton, the Albert Pujols contracts really, really hurt him for a while, and and still does. That's why, like, I I look at Bryce Harper's contract, right? The way it's structured. It goes down the last three years. What do you see with Pujols? What do you see with Miguel Cabrera? Theirs starts to rise. Theirs is still going up. And you're going, how? <laughs> Why? You know? And, and so I think a lot of it has to do with structure of contract. And, you know, not really. You know how we, 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 we see it all the time with the NFL, how they're able to, you know, get that, that money up front and then kind of, you know, you have the teams that like the back load or the teams that like the front load. The front loading teams are the ones that can maneuver a lot more, right? And have a lot more uh, uh, flexibility. The Angels have never given themselves flexibility. And it, it just, it, it's just, it's just like if I'm, if I'm a pitcher, I'm going, yes, I am going there. Why? Because it's a, I mean, you've been down there. It's freaking awesome. It's Orange County. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, you so pay, I don't know. Hey, hey, you pay me like $30 million. I'll be fine paying the taxes living in Newport Beach. I'm gonna yeah, you be think? Huntington, Laguna, Dana yeah. Point. I'm going to be good anywhere down there. I remember uh, Steve, who was it? Steve Fiziok was doing the play. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, man, you got like the coolest gig. Like you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're uh, yeah, he was like, oh, I had, I, I was, I was, uh, I was at Dana Point having lunch with my daughter. I'm like, oh, God. And then did the game. Like, yeah. really? <laughs> God. That is no, a, it, it's It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And that, that's the other part, too. Like, how many guys are actually going for area, right? Is it just money? Because to me, there's two of the greatest places on earth besides the Bay Area, and that's Orange County and San Diego. Like, it just. You know, those two areas you're going, oh, man, I get it. The tax is great. Again, you are at a spot where those taxes really don't matter. <laughs> if you're getting the 220 over your career, come on. Yeah. Uh, so looking at the the the, the East, man, <laughs> if the Mets are going to start opening, like my, my Cody, my producer, thinks uh, the Mets are going to sign every big free agent. Um, I mean, it's you got the Marlins now are tough. Yeah. To I mean, it's yeah. A, no day at the beach no well like the last two years uh prior to this it was who was going to beat up on the marlins 
You know, and it, it, whoever did that within the division won the division. And it was the Braves. At, at one year, I think they were uh, 16 and three against them. You know, something absurd. Uh, this past season, you knew that they they had the pitching, right? So they're they're going to be fine. Um, so you couldn't put it on them. It was like, who's going to keep their head above water and not get beat by all these teams in the shortened season? Uh, the Mets are, are scary. Look, the Stroman signing back or taking the qualifying offer back was great for him. Love, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Marcus Stroman fan. Uh, to go with DeGrom, you never know what Syndergaard's going to be like, it, it, when it's going to be like, right? Because we don't know when he's coming back from Tommy John. Uh, Steven Matz, I mean, he is the bipolar of, of pitchers. I mean, there's it, it's either dominant or it's bleh. Like, he is legit. They need catching. And it would make sense if they went after JT. I get it. But what makes more sense to me is James McCann there. They've already gotten Trevor May, who I thought should be the number one, you know, guy to go after if you're the Phillies in a pen that needed everything, right? You needed all these guys. I thought Trevor May going back to the Phillies was number one. He wanted to, uh, but he chose the Mets, two-year deal. Um, the Braves are so good. It's like, okay, now you see all these non-tenders, right? The 59 non-tenders, there's a couple guys in there that you're going, oof. If the Braves have had success with Josh Donaldson and then Marcelo Zuna on those one-year deals, who's the non-tender, right? Who's that guy that's going to go, well, I'll just go in that lineup and hit behind Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna Jr. I mean, it's it's absurd. It is absurd what they have there. The depth that they have, the pitching depth that they had, and they've added more. Is Drew Smiley going to change everything? No, but that's a that's a damn good piece to have if you are the Braves. Charlie Morton, is he going to change? You know what? Maybe not early on in the season, but when you get to the uh, dog days and you get to the playoffs, because they're going to be in the playoffs again with this talent, if they stay healthy and you're going, Charlie Morton, I mean, how smart are they? Right? They continuously do this. I told you this a long time ago over at our, our favorite spot at Hoppa's. That I'm like, the Braves are built for another run. Is it 15 years? No, but it's a run that is could it be like the could it be like the Dodgers, where it is when you know, year after year, the West, you know, the NL West, you're always in the playoffs, getting to the, you know, getting to the dance. It's all 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 you need. They have that ability. They are so good. The Nationals expect them to be better, right? There, Mike Rizzo does not. He does not like losing, and so I, I, I they worry me. Uh, my own team worries me with the Phillies because we have no direction right now, and it, it, it's very un, you know disheartening um, when you look at it. But again, we are in December, and there are a lot of dudes out there that could help a team. <laughs> you know the notes. You know that before every single show that we go over and looking just how historically bad the Phillies bullpen was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was like, like you're calling these games. Like town. It was not fun. You can't hold a five, six run lead. No, it, there was a game that we were up 13 to nothing. And we had to get our closer up <laughs> in the ninth. That's bad. <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, we were just absolutely dominating. Uh, Newcomb, Newcomb pitched. Uh, Harper had a, I think he had two homers or whatever it was. I don't, I don't know. Didi had a grand slam and then you're getting, you know, take those guys out. And next thing you know, that's like one after the other hit, hit, 
hit, keep the line moving, hit, hit, hit. They might have hit a home run to end the, the whole thing, but it was like, oh my gosh. Like, so then we trade for David Phelps, uh, Workman, Heath Embry, and David Phelps have been money with the Brewers. Comes over and he, bleh, right? Everything was down the middle, everything was leaking over. Was he trying? Absolutely not. It's just like you, you almost had that jinxed bullpen where whatever you're bringing in, no matter what, something was going to happen, right? Workman, two years ago, was unbelievable in 19 for the Red Sox. This year, I think he gave up, I don't know, 70 hits, right? It, 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 it wasn't that many, but it felt like that in the limited time that he had. Uh, but look, it... The 60-game season was so hard to, I think, tell about a position player. But I think pitching, especially relievers, I think you could tell a whole lot about. And I, I, I saw – we saw one, maybe two guys in the Phillies bullpen that got better. Connor Brogdon, young kid, made his debut this year, gave up a home run on his first pitch, gave up two home runs in his first outing, and then those were the only two runs he gave up the rest of the year. He gave up, like, one other hit. I mean, he was unbelievable. Got sent down, developed a cutter, had the cutter, but made it, refined it. Uh, has a nasty changeup throwing 96, 97. But you don't have enough of that, right? I mean, and when you're looking at the East and everyone can hit. Everyone, Everyone's so athletic and everyone's got arms. We didn't. And that's what, that, that, that's what cost us. Well, you know, one player that's been linked to the Phillies is our own mm. Marcus Simeon. But yeah. I just not. I'm not. Is is Philly going to be looking to spend big again? Uh, we are being told no, but I think that's just uh, just trying to play it right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, the stupid money thing was uh, not good a couple of years ago, but now, um, look, it, it just Marcus Simeon wherever he goes. Congratulations, that dude's awesome. Do I do I hope he's in Philly? Absolutely. Kidding me? What he's turned himself into being a Bay Area guy, like I, I've said it. I would love him in Philly, but I, I, God, I hope he stays in Oakland. Yeah, he means so much to that franchise, just in general. He means a lot to people that, you know, obviously have talent. It doesn't matter wh whether it's you know baseball or not, but he has the talent. But the way that he never took it for granted and worked his butt off, man, to make him into what he is, I just. I, I'm pumped wherever he ends up. I just hope it's in, in Philly. How's having two kids now? Uh, well, they're, I'm going to switch it to, uh, well, Chris, thanks for asking. Uh, man, he doesn't sleep. Not easy, is it? <laughs> he does not sleep. He's like, I'm like this every morning, like, oh, God. My daughter comes in at 530 going like, hey, what's up? I'm like, I just went to bed like an hour ago. It feels like, what's up? What do you want? And she goes, oh, I'm hungry. You want to go? I'm like, no, not really. And then uh, I try to delay it. It's just, it's just different, right? Like there's, there's no thought. There's no, it's all reaction, right? Everything's reaction right now. And we're getting used to it. We couldn't trade it for the world. I mean, he's been, he's, he's fun. He's fun when he's happy and fed. But, well, let me, let me tell you, someone had twins. Um, I don't know. No, I don't. I don't want. I honestly, I don't know how you guys do it. I'm, I'm, we've had this discussion, my wife and I, how people do it with twins. 
Because that means I, I, the, that means the dad has to get up in the middle of the night every time too. <laughs> I would I, I, seriously, I would be up all night long because after you feed one, swaddle, put back to bed, you feed the other one, and an hour later you got to start this whole thing again. And oh I, yeah. I remember looking at people going, you have one kid. Do you know how easy just one oh, yeah. kid is? Well, we thought that, but we have a five-year-old who has my energy, which <laughs> is insane. And she's like, it, like swear to God, from 6 a.m. on, it is go. Like, let's go. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I can handle this. Anyway, we're, we're lucky. We're lucky. When are you coming huh? back home? Well, uh, with all these restrictions now, I have no clue. They they lock they just locked us down again. Yeah, yeah, I know. Hopefully the uh, the business does well and um, people order out, right? Yeah, I do. I took the kids down to uh, Santa Barbara for Thanksgiving because they oh. wanted to go to campus. Uh, that's pretty stupid. I'm like, do I really want to send my kids to a school that's on the beach? Uh, hey. Wait, hang on. Let's rephrase this. Do I want to send the kids to school where I can visit the beach? Yes. I, 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 yes. I, went, I went and played Sandpiper. It was great. I mean, uh, it's amazing. I, I spent two summers there playing in Santa Barbara. It's fantastic. I'm watching people walk with their surfboards across the campus to go surfing. You got to like, go to Blacks. Yeah, this, you go to Blacks. You go there. Is this? Uh, is that a good idea? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. It's a fantastic, right. it's a UC school. Let's go. I know. I Galita, know. it's cleaned up a little bit. Del Playa. Come on. Santa Barbara's beautiful. All right, Telling buddy. You, uh, you could have them go there, but it is all about your vacation. Remember that. And you know what? It's the drive's not that bad. And it's like, yeah. We also went by Cal Poly, which, by the way, I'd never been there. Another. What? That is a beautiful campus, too. Well, they, weren't, they weren't D1 when I. That's I'm, true, I'm, but I'm it is a fantastic place. I was pretty Great impressed. Point. You should be. You should be. It's in California, so you're good. You look amazing. I just want to tell you that. Everyone what? else can't see you. Yeah, you look amazing. <laughs> I've been playing. Hey, I'm literally I'm playing three, four times a week. It's it's like life is. Uh, you want me to send you more about my? I'll, I'll send my. I'll send my driver out there for you. All right. Yes. Yeah, send me your TrackMan readings. <laughs> That's how. Because getting out here is not the easiest of things, so you you go you resort to other things, right? And so getting the, the rap soda machine and having it out there to seeing what you're doing, it's like, all right, I guess we could play with this. Well, I miss you, man. Miss Can't you too, guys. To Appreciate it. Have a great Christmas. Enjoy. Yeah, we'll talk family. to you. All Peace right. Peace. Right, well, we'd like to thank Dan O'Dowd, CJ Nikowski, and Kevin Franzen. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.